Before we launch 2024, right, as the first Sunday here of the year and ask God to go before us and, and do great things, we need to pause and give him thanks for 2023. Uh, you have these annual reports that are available. If you saw them when you came in the door, these booklet forms, you can grab one of these. They're also available digitally. They were sent out, I believe, in the Friday weekly update email. It'll be on the church website. So if you'd rather the digital version, you can do that. But it, what you'll find in there are numbers, right? And uh, the numbers are important, but the numbers are not the focus. We do not chase after just increasing our numbers around here. What we chase after is what those numbers represent, and that's transformed lives. And, uh, and the message of Jesus Christ and the good news of his word that is changing people and, and helping people see and live life differently uh, than before. Uh, <clears throat> and as we think about thankfulness, I'm reminded often of Luke chapter 17, which is the story of Jesus healing ten lepers. And what he does to them is he says, hey, uh, go show yourself to the priest. He doesn't heal them instantaneously like he does at some other times. He says, go show yourself to the priest. And what we read is that they were healed along the way. So as they demonstrated their faith by obedience, the healing came. And so uh, what we read at the end of that is that of those 10 who were healed of leprosy, how many returned to say thank you? One, right? And I think the, the moral of that story is, is, is uh, how difficult it is for us to remain people of thankfulness, right? To, to continuously be a thankful people. So before we move into our commissioning time, this is our commissioning service. I'll explain a bit more of that in a second. But I've asked Pastor Jason to come and just offer to us, join our hearts together in a prayer of thankfulness and gratitude of what God has done in uh, 2023, all right? So let's bow our heads and do that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being who you are. We thank you for all the attributes that you display, uh, that you reveal to us in your word and you reveal to us in special revelation as well. God, we thank you so much for the way that you've been at work in this place, that the way that you've been working individual lives. God, we thank you that your plan is to utilize us. And so, God, we thank you for inviting us into the process, knowing that you don't necessarily need us to do your work, but you invite us in. And so, God, we thank you for the many people, staff, and volunteers that have jumped in to do the work that you've prepared for us in advance to do. God, thank you for drawing hearts. Thank you for, for moving feet and moving hands and helping us to do the very things that you have asked of us. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would help us to, to hear differently, to see differently, to be willing to jump into the things that you have for us in this next year as well. God, we're so grateful for the lives that you have drawn to you this past year. We thank you for the discipleship that's happened. God, we pray that you would continue to draw our hearts, knowing that your work in us is not done yet. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jason. Praise the Lord. Uh, and as we move into our commissioning time, uh, the first Sunday of the year, we, we call our commissioning service. And so it's just a way for us to kind of reorient ourselves. Some of you have been at Crossroads, uh, you know, in recent months and, and not totally familiar with how we function around here. So this is informational for you and helpful in some ways. Other ways, it's reminders for us who have been around here like, yes, that's where we're at and we want to keep ourselves grounded in why we do what we do. So let me revisit that why for a moment. And we find it in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, which says this, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And there's the power of this, right? Realizing who's speaking this message. 
Jesus, the one who died, the one who was raised at this point, and the one who is, is, is commissioning his disciples to now go and, and fulfill his mission, which was to do this, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe, right? teaching them to obey, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We return to these three verses over and over and over in our ministry because we believe it's the very foundation of why we as, as Crossroads, as a local church, exist uh, to fulfill this mission that Jesus laid out. So to answer the question, what, right? We know the why right here, what Jesus just gave to us. But what does that mean for us? Well, we want to be disciples who make disciples. We want to do that locally. We want to do that regionally. We want to do that globally. Right? Because we know that like, God has called us to more than just what is, is in these walls and among this group. Like, God has called us to go out and to have an impact in our county and in our region and, and globally as well. Why do we partner with 16, 17 missionaries now? I think it is because we want to have a global impact. Why do we go through the efforts and, and raise the funds to take short-term missions trips and to, uh, those type of things? Because we want to be part of what God is doing uh, in a global kingdom way. And I love going to other parts of the world and experiencing things where you rub shoulders with people you can't even speak the same language with, but yet what unites us is Christ, right? And so, so we want to be disciples who make disciples. We want to draw you together in that way relationally where you are encouraging one another in Christ. And so we want to be disciple makers. That's the end goal. Um, to, to, to be disciples who make disciples. Those are disciple makers from the, from the sharing of the gospel, from sharing the good news of Jesus, evangelizing, to developing mature believers. Uh, and so you may be asking, well, what is a disciple? It's not a word that we use in our everyday language, perhaps. So what is a disciple? Well, we, we set out uh, several years ago to define that for us biblically as we saw what is it about the scriptures that help us understand what is it to be a disciple? A disciple is this, a follower of Christ who loves others and pursues living like Jesus. A disciple is a follower of Christ who loves others and pursues living like Jesus. Now, in the first century, the example we have in the Word of God, a disciple didn't just take good notes from their rabbi. Right? They didn't just mount up this, these stacks of, of notebooks of, of taking notes of what the rabbi said. No, what they sought to do was not only listen, but they sought to, to follow and to emulate or to mimic the life of the rabbi. So when we read about being a disciple in the New Testament, it's about not just hearing what Jesus said or what the scriptures tell us, but, but to also emulate, to, to focus on following Christ, to living as he did. What did he do? He loved others. And we're called in the scripture to love one another. And, and we're called to that life of obedience, like Matthew 28 said, to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, Jesus said. So, so being a disciple also entails uh, uh, you know, seeking to live like Jesus. And so that's a disciple, what we mean by that. And so if you think of it like a picture frame, maybe some of you for Christmas, you know, your family just gave you a, you know, a brand new family picture or something all nice and framed up. And then you think of the frame that holds it all together, and those are important pieces, and, and that's how we think of some of our key components around here. But, but in the middle is that picture. That's what you love. 
right? That, that's, what, that's what warms your heart as you look at that hanging on your wall. It's the picture of whoever is, is in there. And that, that's what we want to be. We want to, to, that picture that we're chasing after is someone who follows Christ and someone who loves others well as Jesus has and someone who pursues living like Jesus in their life. And so how do we do that? Well, we call that our mission. And that is that we love, connect, and serve on the journey with Christ. That's probably what you hear us say most around here, to love, connect, and serve on the journey with Christ. That love aspect is this vertical orientation of our life in relationship with God, that, that each day we grow deeper in our relationship with God. We're called, uh, and when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? He said, first, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when we say love, connect, and serve, that love portion is really about your relationship with God, that personal aspect of your walk with God and your developing love for him. And then connect, of course, is the horizontal aspect. And we, we do that in a lot of ways around here and a whole variety of ways, giving you opportunity to connect together and then to serve, uh, to engage together and going further with the gospel by sharing the love of Christ, demonstrating the love of Christ in our action. And so we serve uh, in, in a multiple uh, a variety of ways as well. So that's how we go about being disciples who make disciples. It's how we go about accomplishing the true goal. Uh, and then we have these guiding values or core values. There's nine of them, and I'm not going to go over them today, but I'll review those over the next few weeks in our weekly update uh, videos that I do. I'll review those with you there. But those are really important for us that kind of help us guide uh, ourselves in making decisions about our ministry. What it boils down to, though, is this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18, the word of God says this, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. We're so thankful that you are here. And if you're tuning in online and you participate with us in that way, uh, you know, and you're part of our, our body and in, in serving and so forth, like, man, we are so thankful for who God has brought here as, as part of this local body that we call Crossroads. And so you maybe think you chose Crossroads to be your church home, but in reality, God drew you here, right? And God is the one who, who led you to call church, Crossroads your home. He's the one who has arranged it, each one of them as he chose. And why did he do that? Well, Ephesians chapter 4 gives us a little glimpse. He says he gave some to be apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers to do what? To equip. Everybody say equip. Equip. To equip the saints. That's you. That's all of us to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right? We continually grow together. We, we, we uh, together build one another up, encourage one another. We are to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's God's call upon us. So we are a team-based ministry, uh, meaning that we have many parts working together uh, in pursuit of God's glory. Uh, the booklets uh, that we have back there as well, we have the annual reports for you. We also have these leadership community booklets, and uh, we give these out at the beginning of each year. We'd love for you to take one or download the digital version, whatever works best for you. Keep it near uh, a place where you pray often or read the Word of God and, and pray for our leadership community. In here, you'll find the pictures of everybody that leads a team. You'll find the pictures of our staff and elders. Grab one of those uh, and, and use that as a prayer guide uh, throughout the year. 
So let me introduce our leadership community to you. Uh, our leadership community entails all of our staff, all of our elders, all of our ministry team leaders. We have nine volunteer-led teams here. So along with what our staff uh, leads, we have nine who voluntarily uh, lead teams. Uh, and so those ministry team leaders, you'll see some pictures scroll here um, of those team leaders. They serve as our deacons uh, in our ministry, those who are servants. When we studied 1 Timothy just a few months ago, you may remember that we talked about what is the role of a deacon and men and women who, who help accomplish the work of the ministry. And so we call them ministry team leaders. And I want to thank uh, Scott Pugh. Scott uh, has just finished uh, a few years leading our global outreach team and uh, so grateful for his leadership there. And uh, beginning 2024 here, his wife, Pam, actually is now our global outreach team leader. And so we welcome Pam to that role. I uh, want to let you know we're in search of a women's ministry team leader. Uh, when Paul and Sarah Spasik uh, recently moved down to Indianapolis, Sarah was serving as our team leader there for women's ministry. So we're looking for a, a team leader for that. And then our PS92 group, uh, which is uh, was formed in a way to kind of have opportunity to draw together those who are the, I'll say, older saints uh, within our body. Is that all right? Um, and uh, Psalm 92, which is where PS92 comes from, speaks of of that honoring Christ in our age, and so, um, and so uh, that's that's our PS9. So we're looking for a leader for that. Um, if if you pray about that, and either of those interest you, you can contact uh, Pastor Jason in that. Um, and then we have so many other volunteers who serve. You know, those who prepare communion that we'll take today, those who do all of our videoing and tech team and all that kind of stuff. Worship. I mean, there's so many ways in which you volunteer and serve. We are grateful for every single one of you. So we have our ministry team leaders. We have our elders who are the overseers of our ministry, as we see in Scripture, those who are responsible for direction and leadership, uh, those who are servant leaders. When we read about leadership in the Scripture, it's not a dictatorial kind of leadership. It is a servant leader heart and mind. And so um, these are, are those overseers, guarding truth, uh, setting vision and values and and maintaining our constitution and our statement of faith, um, overseeing our budgets and, and just the overall policies and procedures. So we are an elder-led ministry, as we refer to it. Um, and so I want to thank uh, James Stone, who just completed a three-year term. James is here, so thank you, James, for uh, those three years of faithfully serving. And uh, we welcome back to the team Craig Wilson uh, this year. And so we have seven elders who will serve this year. You see the pictures there. And uh, Chris Ricketts will uh, once again uh, serve as our lead elder for 2024. So we have our elders, and then we have our staff. Um, our staff are not the only doers, right? Some churches have mindsets of, well, we hire, don't we hire staff to do that, right? Um, uh, our staff are designed to be the organizers and equippers, like Ephesians 4 talked about, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So, no, we don't ask our staffs to do everything. They do a lot around here, but their main goal is to organize and equip you, to train you to do the work of the ministry. And I'm so thankful for all of our staff, our, our pastors and the shepherds that are uh, part of our staff, uh, those who serve vocationally. And if you recall, elders and pastors for us are synonymous. We refer to pastors, those who are vocationally serving here as part of our staff. Our elders are all volunteers. Um, and so as part of our staff, I just I love our staff. Uh, they work so hard. They're so faithful. They love each other well. They love you well, I believe. 
and uh, lead you well and grateful for that. So we want to say thank you to Rachel Cabrera. Uh, Rachel informed us a couple of weeks ago. She, uh, her role here was a part-time job. She took, recently took a full-time position at, a, at another office here in town. And, um, and so uh, we're excited for her to be, this Friday will be her last day uh, with us. And if you didn't know it, Rachel and her husband Daniel are expecting their first child, so we're super excited for them and that, uh, the baby boy. And uh, so you can let them know uh, that you're grateful for that when you see them. And then I also want to thank Pastor Colin, uh, who in June uh, will be redeploying, as he likes to say, not retiring, but redeploying. And, uh, and Pastor Colin has served 46 years in pastoral ministry. And uh, he has been a faithful servant of God. So on June 16th, we're going to take the opportunity to honor him a bit in that service. And uh, we're grateful for that. Um, and we look forward to that transition. And that transition will involve uh, Tim Lee. Uh, Tim has been serving as our director of Soul Care Ministry. And we have increased his uh, participation and hours and, and responsibilities. And he is now the pastor of Biblical Soul Care. And uh, he will be taking on the responsibility of the caring ministry that, that uh, Colin uh, did for us, as well as our benevolent staff. And uh, so grateful to have uh, Tim here, and uh, he'll be uh, taking on that additional responsibility. Then Jason, uh, who serves as our executive pastor and also oversees our adult ministries, he'll be uh, taking on more of the administrative role that uh, Colin fulfilled for us. And so that'll be a transition here over the next six months. Um, and uh, because of Jason taking those responsibilities on, something had to come off of his plate. And so uh, from now until we hire our pastor of worship and uh, groups, I will be overseeing community groups. And so if you're interested in being a community group leader or that type of thing, interested in joining a community group, I'll be the one to work with you uh, on that over the next uh, several months until we uh, are able to hire a pastor of worship and groups. Um, and so I want to welcome Tim, and I asked him to come out because I want you to see him, I want you to hear a little bit from him um, because of his role in the caring aspect of our ministry. Uh, he may be the one that you uh, see at the hospital or, uh, or that he sees you at the hospital and, um, and, or maybe a phone call and follow up to a prayer request, things like that. So uh, Tim, share with us a little bit and just want you to get to hear his heart uh, this morning for a moment. So uh, I just want to thank the Lord for this opportunity, first of all, and uh, as Scott said, I'll continue as the Biblical Soul Care uh, leader. We've got 10 on that team, and this year as we, um, we walked through discipling 55 people with that group, that team of 10, investing 312 hours of uh, ministry into their life, and so that there was a lot of heart transformation, which we're very grateful for. That's what we look for in that ministry. We had four rededicate their life to Christ, and three were baptized out of that ministry. So very thankful for that. You have an opportunity. Scott probably talked about that earlier. The uh, Biblical Soul Care Conference Track 1 is going to be here, hosted here. And if you're interested in that, uh, sign up on the uh, website or on the church app. Uh, February 12th through the 17th, and then the 19th as well. But that's uh, a tool that you can use, not just saying you want to necessarily be uh, on the team, but something to help you with everyday life, counseling people, working with people. So I would encourage you to do that. Also, as part of what I'll be doing, uh, as Scott said, our entire staff, pastoral staff, is part of the shepherding and caring team. But 
uh, I will be uh, the one the one that'll probably contact you with prayer requests or um, need that need that person to be with you at the hospital. Um, I'll be there. I en I enjoy going and ministering in those that capacity. So um, I'll be reaching out to you in the in, in that regard. Great. Thank you, Tim. Let's welcome Tim in that role, if you would. So just to kind of uh, circle back around and make it clear for you. So this year, um, with Rachel uh, stepping away, uh, we'll be looking for a receptionist office assistant there as a part-time role, as well as a, a maintenance director as a part-time role. We've been seeking that. And then also our uh, pastor of worship and uh, groups. Um, and so uh, pray for us in those endeavors, if you would, all right? Uh, so what I want to do is uh, I want to uh, acknowledge uh, beyond our leadership community of realizing, you know, the, the spouses of those individuals. Uh, there's oftentimes evenings where there's, uh, you know, team meetings or whatever. Even on Sunday mornings, there's team meetings, which means you got to drive separate to church, all that. Stuff. I mean, the, the spouses of these uh, individuals are also impacted by the role that they play. Uh, as well as their families. And then there are so many of you that serve as part of all of those teams. Um, I just want to say thank you to you. Um, and uh, we just appreciate what God has done and is doing uh, in and through us. And so thank you for participating and, and uh, really following in obedience to what God lays on your heart uh, to participate in why he has you here at Crossroads. Uh, so what I'd like to do, I want our entire leadership community, if you're present in the room here, would you stand, please, uh, if you're part of our leadership community? Don't, come on, don't be bashful. Um, so grateful for all of you. I want you to see them here uh, in person. And then um, uh, let's, uh, uh, let's do this. You know what? As we, as we um, uh, commit our year to the Lord, what I want to do, I just want to invite all of you to stand with them. Would you do that? And uh, Chris Ricketts is going to come, Chris serving as our lead elder and uh, pray uh, for us as we commit our year to the Lord. And as Chris comes, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, a few verses here that really set the tone for us um, as we pray. It says this, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Right? That's our unity in Christ. And so as we stand before the Lord together today, Chris is going to pray and just commit our year to him and all that God has before us, things we know and may not know, right, that God has in store for us. And so let's bow our heads in prayer, commissioning our year to him. Father God, we come before you this morning as one body. You've called us, you have empowered us with many gifts and abilities, and it is for your glory and for the praise of your son that we are um, given this. Lord, you've been faithful these first few days of the year, and we know you'll be faithful through this year. I thank you for the team that we get to work with, the privilege, the calling that you've put upon our lives. Thank you that your word is eternal. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, God, that your word does not pass away. And the Lord, when you call us, you empower us. So I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill us. Thank you for the word preached. Thank you for the truth proclaimed here. Thank you, God, for the work you're doing in our lives. Guide us, we pray, by your spirit and dwell us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And as you're seated, let's talk for a moment uh, from the Word of God today. I want to remind us that the Christian life is about more than Sunday. It's about more than Sunday. It's a way of life. As much as I love Sundays, and Sundays are important, we are called to gather as the saints in the Word of God, so we're being obedient by gathering together. As much as Sundays are important, they're not the end all. It's more than that, far more than that. And here's how I would phrase it for you of what I want to communicate today in the few minutes we have left together is that this, is that life with Christ should dictate how we approach everything and how we relate to everyone. Life with Christ should dictate how we approach everything, and how we relate to everyone. Oftentimes in the scriptures, the athletic metaphor is used to communicate the commitment and the endurance and so forth that is to be present in the Christian life. Some of you are serious about it. Some of you train for Ironman contests and marathons and all that. God bless you, right? You keep going, right? All right, but... But you know, like when you're that committed to something, maybe it's something else. Maybe you're committed as a musician or as a, you know, gardener or whatever it might be. Something that, that you realize when you're so committed to something, how you have to orient your life around it. You find yourself planning nearly every day, right? If you're a marathon runner, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't just show up and run it. You have, to, you have to earn it. And if you take a day off, you realize it takes you, what, three days to regain it or whatever it is, right? You, you, know, you, just, you realize you have to orient your life around what you are committed to. And this is how the Bible defines the mind and the heart of the Christian life. The Bible describes for us that God created us to know him and live in relationship with him. That's why God made us. That's why God designed Adam and Eve and, and created humanity as it's why he's, he's created you to know him and to live in relationship with him. This relationship defines our life. When Jesus called his disciples in the New Testament, we read this repeatedly, right, as he called each, each of them, he says, come follow me. And when they uh, uh, responded to that call, it radically changed their life. They left everything and went and committed themselves to following Jesus. So we're not just saved from something in our salvation, right? Sin and hell. We're saved to something, and that something is life with Christ. I had a great time Tuesday afternoon talking about this with the other pastors, and uh, we're going to be a bit topogetical today in what we do. We're, we're going to bounce around some scriptures a bit but, and, and, and see how the Word of God describes what this Christian life is about. Here's the question I asked the pastors on Tuesday. I said, how would you describe the Christian life as more than Sunday to someone? And so I'm asking you today, how would you describe the Christian life as more than Sunday to someone? Maybe this clarifies. Let's say you ask somebody like, 
are you a Christian? And their response to you is, yeah, I go to church. What would you say? So for, for many of us, right, many people that, that, that think about Christianity, what they equate it to is going to church. If I go to church, I'm a Christian. But the scriptures speak of something much different. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, you can turn there in your scriptures, and again, we'll be moving around a bit, but that's where we're going to center ourselves here for a moment. The context of Galatians, all right, the church in Galatia, the Apostle Paul's writing to them, and, and they were wrestling with this thing. Like they, they began their relationship with Christ well. They were walking by faith, but then they began to fall back into a mindset of the works of the law again. And they began to, to be dominated by, well, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this. And, and for us, it's kind of like that mindset of the Christian life that some have of like, well, it's about checking boxes. And, and you know, if I go to church on Sunday, Sunday, then I can check that box and feel good about myself. You know, if I don't go, I feel a little bad about myself. So, you know, I better go because I don't like that feeling. So I'm going to go on Sunday and I'm going to check a box. That's like living according to the works of the law as what Paul is addressing here to the believers in Galatia. And so in chapter 2, verse 20, he says this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's break it down a little bit. That first phrase, I have been crucified with Christ. This is a completed action that God does. Right? Notice here, Paul's saying, hey, I'm the one that received the, the action here. I have been crucified with God did that. God, God, God crucifies us and he places us with Christ, in Christ. And that's our salvation. We take up the life of Christ. Now, you may not have understood that to be the case when you prayed one day and, and confessed Jesus as your Savior and asked him to forgive you. That may not have been the way that you understood it, but, but this is what we grow in as Christians, of understanding like, boy, this is about far more than just praying a prayer. This is about my life with Christ. It's about understanding what happens in our salvation, that we gain a new identity. So Paul says here, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Do you think about your Christian life in that way? It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Our identity is now in Jesus Christ. We are made alive by the grace of God and by his work alone, right? So living for Jesus becomes our very purpose. Our relationship with God, what he created us for, becomes true. And it becomes the true purpose for which we were created. Now, to be clear on this, you don't stop being you, right? When I, uh, at the age of 12, after a Sunday evening church service, bowed my head and confessed Jesus as my Savior, I didn't stop being Scott Yoder, right? God has created us, as Psalm 139 says, uniquely, right? And are, we're wonderfully made in our mother's womb, and, and God has made you. don't stop being you, but what it is is that you take on that new identity of now being you in Christ, and your relationship with him is your whole orientation of your life. That's the pursuit of the Christian life, to make your relationship with Jesus, the whole orientation, just like an athlete, you know, orientates their whole life around whatever endeavor they're trying to accomplish. As a Christian, your relationship with Christ becomes your whole orientation of life, 
every day. So you don't stop being you, but you are you now in Christ. And so Paul says, the life I now live in the flesh, right? This is an ongoing thing here, an ongoing continuous action. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That life he now lives, that's more than Sunday, right? That, that's more than just whether or not to attend church. This is a life that is oriented completely around his relationship with Jesus. The one who loved me, Paul says, and gave himself for me. That's the essence of the gospel that ought to be the foundation of that relationship. Every day, preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of the good news of Jesus Christ, that by God's grace alone, you have been saved, right? Through faith, right? You're placing your belief in him, but it's God who does that work, and it's God who provided the way by sending his son. Therefore, our response and orientating, orientating our life around Jesus and our relationship with him becomes a love response, a, a, a response of gratitude and of thankfulness for that salvation. Let me just read for you from some other passages because I want you to see how pervasive this mindset is throughout the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 15 says, And he died for all, Jesus that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come because our life is now in Christ. Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die, say it with me, to the Lord, right? So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So in Romans 14, Paul draws even, man, even in death, right? Not only in life, but in death, we are the Lord's. Our life is orientated around him. In Luke chapter 9, Michael Joy read from Matthew, I think 16 it is uh, previously, but here uh, the record of Luke says, Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Taking up your cross daily doesn't mean you're saved daily, right? We believe here that when you're saved, that God keeps our salvation. He's the one who is entrusted with our salvation. We don't earn our salvation, nor do we earn to keep our salvation. It is kept in God. So taking up our cross daily is that mindset. What was the cross? The cross was a symbol of death, of crucifixion. So when it says take up your cross daily, it means we are to crucify ourselves, right? Daily, it's that mindset of, of setting ourselves aside and taking up the life of Christ that is now true of us in our salvation. We live life oriented around our relationship with him. In John chapter 15, Jesus puts it this way, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, you are the branch, by the way. You cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. There's a lot there to talk about, but the vine and the branches, right? This, this feeding, and, and Pastor Rich has done a great job over the years of, of helping us with that illustration or mindset of the inflow and overflow, thinking of the, the vine and the branch, right? The, the vine sends its life to the branches, and what does the branch do with that life? It, it produces fruit. We see that, that flow, and so when we think of Christ, we think of, man, we're receiving from him in our life with Christ, and, and we fill up in, that, in, that, in knowing who he is and the righteousness of Christ, but we don't just do that for ourselves. We do that so that we overflow into the lives of those around us, that we are a disciple who's seeking to make disciples right by the way that we live and how we relate to those around us that's the christian life it's about more than sunday so the full meaning of a disciple is to be a disciple maker jesus modeled that as he spent time with his 12 disciples and what did he do he sent them out to make other disciples So let me remind us of what we started with, now that we have the biblical foundation for the statement, is that it's this, life with Christ should dictate how we approach everything and how we relate to everyone. That's the Christian life. It's about far more than Sunday. I want to read for you in the uh, recommended resources that we have out by the fireplace, we remind you of those and you can... Write your name on a slip if you're interested in maybe getting one of those. We'll draw names this week uh, for those giveaways. But the one resource you can look at is uh, the title of the book is Do You Believe? And I told you last week I was going to use this as kind of my devotional uh, book for the year. And I got as far as the introduction before I found something to share with you, all right? And so listen to this. I just love how Tripp puts this in such practical terms of what it means to, to know and understand I have been crucified with Christ, Okay? says the doctrines, which simply means the truths. The truths of the word of God were not intended to just lay claim on your brain, but also to capture your heart and transform the way you live. Those doctrines are meant to turn you inside out and your world upside down. Biblical doctrine is much more than an outline you give confessional assent to. Doctrine is something you live in even... uh, Excuse me, doctrine is something you live in, even the smallest and most mundane moments of your life. Biblical doctrine is meant to transform your identity, alter your relationships, and reshape your finances. That's why we encourage you to take financial peace if you haven't, right? It's meant to change the way you think and talk, how you approach your job, how you conduct yourself in time of leisure, how you act in your marriage and the things you do as a parent. It's meant to change the way you think about your past, interpret your present, and view your future. The doctrines of the Word of God are a beautiful gift to us from a God of amazing grace. They are not burdensome, life-constricting beliefs. No, they impart new life and new freedom. They quiet your soul. Remember last week we talked about rest, right? Resting in Christ. They quiet your soul and give courage to your heart. 
They make you wiser than you have the natural potential to be, and they replace your complaining heart with one that worships with joy. God unfolds these mysteries to you because he loves you. He is the giver of life, and every doctrine in his word plants seeds of life in your heart. And as those seeds take root and grow, you grow and change. That's life in Christ. That's the Christian life. It's about far more than Sunday. Why do we engage with the word of God? Because it is the word of God that that God uses to change us, to transform us, every part of us. So maybe this is a succinct way to leave it in your minds for you to recall. And I'm going to try and recall this statement throughout the year this year. Is that the Christian life is really about everything, every day, one day at a time, for Jesus. Everything, every day, one day at a time. Don't chase out ahead of God. Don't let the enemy, listen, don't let the enemy keep you living in shame and guilt from your past. You live every day. One day at a time for Jesus. That's the Christian life. And I pray that that's our heart as we seek to follow him personally, corporately, as a gathering of saints set upon fulfilling the kingdom work that God has given to us. Amen? Amen. What a fitting way for us to finish service today with communion and uh, I want to encourage you with this to just take the next, we're going to have two songs that our worship team is going to lead and um, uh, we're going to take the elements together at the end of those two songs. So just as you receive those elements, just hang on to them and, and let the spirit of God use these two songs as a time for you just to communicate with God and maybe asking yourself the question, you know, is, is, is my life just about Sunday? God, how do you want to take me deeper? In the Christian life, and, you know, this isn't about a sprint. The Christian life isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. And so it's not about, you know, feeling like you have to go from here to here, you know, by the end of the day tomorrow. It's just God help me today, right, one day at a time to be faithful and to grow and to understand a little more and to, to orient my life around you, my relationship with you a little more today, and you'll grow. And so just take these next few minutes as you hold those elements, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf, his body and his blood, and ask God to help you this year to live the life of Christ. You now live to him. Amen? So these elements are going to pass. I want to remind you, please take both of those cups out of the tray. They're stacked together. And then if you need the gluten-free option, those are the middle cups. Uh, So please reserve those for those who need uh, that. And uh, let me pray for us as we enter this time. Father, we love you. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for (coughs) your word. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for sending your son, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And through him and him alone, we are reconciled with you. We have a relationship with you. We can fulfill the purpose that you created us for. So Lord, I pray that we would live life committed to you.
may our walk with Jesus affect everything we do and every relationship we have. In Jesus' name we pray.